0: Welcome to another Distinct Nostalgia by MIM. More than a podcast. Brought to you in partnership
1: with Life Rooms and Mersey Care NHS Foundation Trust. Staying well, staying home.
0: Ah, on Il Climo Bartat, I'll add Those Were The Days, great TV from a hotbed of creativity at Kirkstall Road in Leeds. So with that in mind, we've a treat now on Distinct Nostalgia for all classic Emmerdale fans. He was the show's original heartthrob way back when it was still Emmerdale Farm. He joined the Dales drama back in 1980 as Jackie Merrick, having already had a career which had taken in Zed Cars, Candleshoe alongside Jodie Foster and the controversial play for today, Scum. Ian Sharrock left the show 32 years ago, but he's still got fond memories and lots of great stories from a very special time in both his and Emmerdale's life. Close your eyes and think of jeans, checked shirts, woolly jumpers, bales of hay and capers with Seth. Yes, he was close to Seth. And you'll be right back in 1980 as Ashley embarks on part of his epic interview with Ian.
2: Enjoy! Thanks Andy, now don't give it with your job will you? Um, <laughs> so we're embarking on part two of our interview with uh, Ian Sharrock. Ian, Uh, You're in Emmerdale for 10 years and um, Jackie came to a um, rather tragic end. Um, Was that your decision to leave Emmerdale?
3: Yeah, yeah, it was. Um, The producer, there was a change of producer at that time. This show will not be run from the green room. Right, That was all. Because he felt in his own mind that the, the cast had to say in what was going on, we didn't have any say at all in anything, you know. But he felt that was that was it, and that was going to all change. And he and he felt so deeply that EastEnders were our biggest competition. Right? I said, no, 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 no. They're not. You know, our competition is what's on the BBC at five thirty, not. Not not Eastenders, you know. or Seven o'clock, whenever it was. You know. <laughs> seven
2: o'clock. You, you were on yeah.
3: seven o'clock by then, yeah. It's seven o'clock. Yeah. That's that's our. It was like Tomorrow's World. How are we going to compete with that? You know, we can't. So we don't. You know, um, what's happening over there? We are a different thing. We are. We 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 didn't even think of ourselves as a soap, to be honest. We were a bi-weekly series, you know, of country folk, and. uh we, we like, were, in
2: fact, like Emmerdale for a while, didn't it? It used to, you do all the, th- you'd have, it'd be on a thur- Tuesday and a
3: Thursday throughout the year, yep,
2: and yep. then it used to have a bit of a break as well,
3: didn't it? Yeah, it did. Yeah, we used to have the summer off, as it were, um, but but uh, we, we wouldn't have any time of, or we would, we'd have a four week break, which was our summer holiday, which was very nice, um, and then we would be back in the studio, filming and back out on location filming. Because we had to catch up, because as I said, we, we only filmed six episodes a month, but we showed eight. So we have to, at some point, we have to do something. Yeah? And when it went to full time, as in 52 weeks a year um, transmission, uh, that meant this double stranding that Gene uh, talks about, where we had two directors, two crews, two lots of scripts. So we had 12 scripts and one lot of actors, so we had to run about all the time, you know, while one while one crew were in the studio, the other crew were out on location and the actors would be ferried backwards and forwards. So we'd have these twelve stories in our heads, twelve scripts, um, in our heads, and we could literally film the last scene of the first of the last episode, first thing on the Monday, you know. Uh, followed by the the, the first scene of the, you know it could be completely jumbled up and out of order
2: so was so, it was it was it because you saw those signs of, of of this weird change that you weren't particularly necessarily happy about no
3: that that all that was fine I loved all that I loved the challenge of that can you imagine the challenge of that if you think about as an actor right um Things you never film in sequence. You never film in story order. That happens only happens on stage, you know, where you start to, when you tell a story in in logical, chronological order. In TV um, and film, you never do that. Never, ever happens, you know. You're always filming according to the location you're using. So um, you never get that luxury. So... This, this whole double stranding was just wonderful i just loved it i loved the, the the experience of it and the excitement of it um and the challenge of it what i objected to was this guy um with his weird london um attitude about how we should be more like eastenders we uh, uh, and he announced that right we're going to bring in this whole new, thing. we're going to drop, drop the name farm. It's no longer going to be farm. We're going to drop that. We're going to move it away from this farm. We're going to base it more in the village. We're going to bring in all these new, new characters and this new family called the Tates. And they're going to take over and everything's going to be wonderful. And I just thought, oh, this sounds like a nightmare. Because shortly before that, or a couple of years before that, they'd done that had with Crossroads. They'd done exactly that same thing and they killed it off. Now, uh, Paul, Benny, it's Paul Amy Yeah, well, he was a mate because we used to do these charity things together um, from like Brookside and Coronation Street and the. We used to do these quite regularly. So I knew Paul and uh, it it destroyed him. It absolutely destroyed him. He, um, whether he admits it or not, it just shattered him, ruined his life basically. This, this what they did with Crossroads. He loved Crossroads. He loved his part. He loved the whole thing um, about being in Crossroads and what Crossroads stood for and blah blah blah. And when they they started messing around with it and they destroyed it, it destroyed Paul along with it. And he he hated it. And I just thought they're going to do the same here and if they do i don't want to be one of the rats on this sinking ship you know i'm gonna i'm gonna leave or be one of the first to go um because i don't think it's got a future like this surely <laughs> so i was wrong wasn't I? but um so so we had this product, producers meeting thing um where, where once a year um The we'd all be called summoned up to the producer's office, and we'd sit down, and they'd say, "Right, okay, uh, we'd like to offer you another year's contract," and blah blah blah. And these were held in these meetings were held in January, and our contracts came due in the June, so it was like six months thing. So that the idea of that is that if you wanted to go, or if they wanted to write you out, you had six months. In which to do it, and all the rest of it, and it was wonderful, you know. So um, I went in, and Stuart, said, it was this uh, producer, said, "Right, um, yes, we'd like to offer you another year, Ian, uh, your tenth year. Oh, yes, and uh, yes, and uh, uh, everything's going to be hunky dory and blah, 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 wonderful." And I went, uh, "No." So what? No, I decided I'm, decide I'm going to leave. I'm, go- I'm going. This will be my last year. And I will leave at the end of June. And he went, no, no, no. No, you can't. I said, what do you mean, I can't? No, you can't. You can't, because if you do, all all the stories are written up till then, so we, we, we won't be able to write you out. I said, of course you'll be able to write me out, Stuart. Of course you will, you know. What would you do if I broke my leg in real life? What would you do? You'd change a few scripts, wouldn't you? You'd have to, and you would. You know the whole reason we have this meeting now is so you have six months in which to get your act together to do it. Don't tell me that, that they're all written and you can't change anything, because I know that's absolutely not true. And he's going, oh, no, 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 no we can't. If, if you go now, if you go in June, uh, we need, we need at, least, at least two or three months, so you, you can't leave until October. And I've gone, no chance, absolutely no chance. So why not? I said, well, I guess if I leave in October, everything that I want to do will be up and running. All the other TV series and films and everything else will all be in production by then. It'd be no use me leaving then. I said, if I leave in October, I won't work until Panto. Panto, if I'm lucky, will be my first thing. And I don't want to leave uh, a farm and goes to Panto. You know, it'd be fun, but that's not the way I want to do it. And he went, no, 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 you can't, you can't. I said, yes, I can, and I am. He said, well, well will, I, will I kill you off? <laughs> and I went, okay, then. <laughs> because uh, my idea of uh, of a nightmare, a living nightmare, would be for them to write me out, oh, he's, he's, he's emigrated to Australia or something, and for perpetuity to have... A Christmas phone call with Annie on the phone, you know, and they were saying, Who was that, Ma? Oh, that was Jackie. Oh, he's having a lovely time. And you know, I can't imagine anything worse because it would have kept the character alive in the minds of the viewers, so it would have never died, you know. If you're going to kill him off, you put a big red line under it, it's great. Like, yeah, do that, that's fine. And he couldn't believe that. And and they yeah so they wrote me out in the most ridiculous way that they could possibly think of. It, it was all kind of, I don't know, out of spite really. I think I feel
2: it was a, it was a, the actual the way they did it was, it was some kind of, uh, oh. sort of accident with a gun that went oh. off by mistake or something.
3: I or... know oh, that was so so unbelievable. Gosh, it was really it was really bad. <laughs> He's a gamekeeper's assistant, right? Been around shotguns all his life, right? And I was, I was uh, going after a fox, I remember. I was going to shoot this fox, right, with a shotgun. Now, you would never l- use a shotgun on a, on a fox because of the fur and stuff. Um, you'd just maim it or blow a leg off or something. Um, you wouldn't kill it outright. You would use a rifle for that job, yeah, not a shotgun. And there I was with a shotgun in my van. And <laughs> there it was, loaded and alongside me in the van, cocked and ready, as it were, you know, the shotgun is is precariously placed in my cab, which it wouldn't be, it would it wouldn't not be broken, you know, as shotgun, it, would, it wouldn't be loaded. You just wouldn't do it. However, there it is, all against all protocol, and I I give up, <laughs> waiting for this fox. I'm I'm sat there outside the set, you know, the not set, is it? the, the foxhole, waiting for it to appear. And I get bored after about an hour. Well, <laughs> I'm there. I've got a flask with me. I've got everything with me. I'm gonna you know, have a vigil. I'm gonna be out till dawn. No, I get bored after about an hour. I decide that I've had enough. I get back in my van, set off back, and I see the fox right there, just standing there in front of my van. So I stop. I get out. Very cautiously, very slowly, reach back into the van, grab his shotgun, which then gets snared around the seatbelt, I think, somehow. And as I pull it towards me, it blows my head off, basically. Absolutely so far-fetched, honestly. And so (laughs) not what I would have done, or, you know, the character would have done. But that's all right. I read it, I thought, oh, God, there's no point arguing about this. You know, just get me out of here. I'm a celebrity, get me out of
1: here. Yeah, yeah. Only on Distinct Nostalgia. When I ran out of children's books, I used to read from Woman's own. Who knew a four-year-old would be gripped by an article on Cross Stitch? We're uniting the ages with Generation Games, a series of comedy and drama monologues and duologues coming exclusively... To distinct nostalgia. Stories exploring connections, friendships, and relationships between people across different age groups, beginning with Missing You, starring June Brown and Sam Barnard.
3: Mum thinks I need protecting, but I need protecting from love.
1: Pity that social worker of his can't do something useful for a change. Contact the noise abatement lot, put in a complaint.
3: I like her, I said. And then, silence. What's the problem? I asked. they will take advantage of you, Mum warned.
1: Missing You by Richard Vergette with the legendary June Brown only on Distinct Nostalgia. More than a podcast.
2: Distinct Nostalgia includes some special interviews remembering nearly 50 years of Emmerdale. I've been speaking to Ian Sharrock, who played the original Emmerdale heartthrob,
3: Jackie Merrick. I can remember walking down a street in Harrogate and somebody across the road shouted out, Hey, Jackie! And it was the first time anyone had ever said that. Didn't look around at first because I didn't sort of respond to it. And then eventually I realised what was going on. And I'm thinking, I'm
2: famous! (laughs) We're right back to the beginning in 1972 with Freddie Pine, who played Matt.
1: Donald Barasock said to Kevin... I wanted to write a series about a farm. And he said, well, I don't know anything about a farm. So they said to him, "We'll come up to Yorkshire and live for two or three weeks and find out. <laughs> it did come off the shelf and it did start. And Peggy said, my name, Matt, was the first word of the series. Because she said, Matt, do you know all those new people over at Pickersgills or something? That was Arthur Pentelow and his daughter, Mr Wilkes because the daughter came riding over on a horse and she said, do you know those people? So I've always been quite proud that Matt was the very first word of the whole bloody series. (laughs) Still going 50 years later or something.
2: And you can't have Matt without Dolly. Jean Rogers has been reminiscing about her time in the Dales as well.
0: It was lovely, was
1: toke. And he said to me after I'd been in the show about four or five weeks, he said... Just to let you know, he said, Sheila approves of you. (laughs) And I said, oh, really? Because I didn't know, oh, yes, he said. She was watching you. But but Sheila was always very professional.
3: We felt as though we were mother and daughter in a way.
2: We've some 90s fun with Dina Payne, who played Viv Windsor for 18 years.
1: I'll only wear trousers if I'm going to Scarborough for the day. But when I'm working in the post office... Or, when I'm working in the cafe, nice short skirts, padded shoulders, jackets, big earrings, you know, the lot.
2: So you you had some real input then into her character.
1: Like I said, I wasn't really given any kind of uh, direction for the character. So I just thought, well, OK, don't give me any, I'll make it up.
2: (laughs) And there's plenty more still to come, including Alison Spiro, who was Sarah Sugden, and Roberta Carr, who played Jan Glover. Troll through our feed now to find hours of soap history. Remembering Emmerdale on Distinct Nostalgia. More than a podcast. So you got out of there. At this point, you were a big name in television. People yeah. knew you everywhere as Jackie Merrick. Yeah. You've been in the soap for in the show for ten years. Um, how did that immediately change your life because it must have been quite a big step just to literally leave a program like that on a regular yeah. day. you know it must have i mean was it easy to adapt or or what well
3: i was i was a bit bemused really because everything the world Begins and ends in London, you know, when it comes to anything to do with TV or film or anything at all, it begins in London. And all the casting directors and agents and whatever down there, they never watched Emmerdale Farm, ever, you know, ever. And didn't, didn't know who I was. And I'm thinking, well, that's okay. That could probably be a good thing because they will know that I've been in it for a certain yeah. amount of time. They will know that I'm a TV actor, that I can that I've I worked, um, had this experience so I can do it, yeah, I can do the acting thing, so I should be, I should be okay, you know, they, they, should, they should snap me up for something, but I, I didn't, I didn't do any TV at all, I couldn't get anybody, any, any parts at all, uh, um, I, I did do a load of theatre, which... It was wonderful because of course I was a, a drawer I was a bit of a name you know so um that was that worked well for me and I loved that oh I fell in love with theater because for all my nine years previous and the nine years I was in Emmerdale, I'd done no theater whatsoever I'd been trained in theater I knew exactly what to do and where to go and you know how to do everything but um I'd never actually had the experience of a professional theatre, so suddenly there I was, um, and I, the first thing I did was a, a tour. I had a six, a, f- a five-month tour. It was a national tour with a, the the lead part in a big play, and it was wonderful. Um, and I got to go round around the, the country. You know, what was that?
2: Um, what, what was that? What was it?
3: The... It was called Lend Me a Tenor, as in as in the singer Tenor. Yeah, um, it was a farce hilariously fun. it was really really good um and as I say I, I was the lead in it and it was it was terrific um and it did well we did well with it but I got to go around the country to all these towns and cities and oh, it was wonderful um and that that was that was followed by another what another tour after that another tour after that and blah 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 um i, I I had so much theater experience it's been a joy, it really has um but very little t v and i couldn't I couldn't understand it at all um you were, the thing was though back then you you'd still got
2: um obviously as you say, the casting people generally are generally still based in London, but you had still got granada and Yorkshire in the north as yeah, big yeah, yeah 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 doing things yeah i think you did you did end up doing some stuff in Heartbeat, didn't you? We'll be back after a quick break. you still loading them and heating them up with all your single shit you've been dropping. You mm. feel me? Loading them up on. It,
3: it only takes structure.
2: And and you know, just paying attention to the climate of the game.
3: Yeah. Know what I mean? So do do your homies uh got a role in your in your little I you know, mean yeah, yeah. We all we all artists over here, man. I'm, y'all trying, already? Yeah, I'm, trying, yeah. I'm trying Oh Yeah, I'm trying, 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 I'm trying to get them
4: on there. Yeah, yeah. We are artists, man.
3: We go, you feel me? We gonna have this like, bro, me and my man, like me and my man, Kyle. We be like, I don't know. We play, we play with this shit. <laughs> don't play shit right with this. I go, we play with this shit right now for, for oh, a I gonna play lie. With don't it, play buddy. with it. Nah. Take that shit. Oh, I did one episode about it. It's strange to say that because um, that was that was uh, produced by one of our Emmerdale executive producers, right? He was a producer of that. And this producer put my name forward and said, well, Ian's, Ian's available, he can do it. He can play this part. And the executive producer went, no, 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 we can't have that. No, he's too typecast. We can't possibly have Jackie Merrick playing that. They'll never go for it. They'll never go for it. No, we can't have anybody from Soap. Who did they get? <laughs> Incredible. And there he was, that, that was... Skyrocketed his career off. Nick
2: Berry, Nick Berry,
3: yeah. Nick Berry, yeah, yeah. So anyway, but I did get to be in it as, as you rightly say. Uh, that was a lovely, a lovely um, part. Very, very uh, not Jackie. It was uh, kind of a, a big galara was. It was really. It was quite funny, uh, and I got to, again. You know, going back to it was a bit of a parody on me, me and Seth because it was me and uh, Greengrass, of course. You know. Uh, and we were poachers, <laughs> so bill maynard, bill maynard, bill maynard, what a character he was
2: who, of course, who, of course, had spent a lot of time at Yorkshire television before that, of course, as uh, I grew up watching things like uh, the Gaffer and Selwyn Froggitt and, Froggett and
3: all absolutely that. yeah yeah mr mr mr, mr. y t v um, he was a real character, in fact um yeah I, I, I knew him socially as well, so it was it was good um. He, he went up for a part in Emmerdale. In, in he didn't actually get it in the end. They went with another guy, but uh, he was very, um, very close to the production team uh, all during that period. So we knew him quite well. Went up to dinner with him and stuff, enjoyed it.
2: Did you end up doing Casualty as well at one point? were you in Casualty? Yeah,
3: I did do, I did an episode of Casualty. Uh, um, a, a New Year's Eve special it was, um, an hour long special. I played a guy who was having a, a, a mental breakdown, really. that was I enjoyed that. That was good fun. <laughs> That's strange. Isn't it? I was playing a mental breakdown. Yes, it was good fun. Yes, terrific fun. Terrific fun. You love those kind of roles. But looking looking back
2: at, at, at Jackie then, um, obviously you played him for nine years. I mean, did you, did you enjoy it? I mean, look back, do you think you enjoyed that period?
3: Oh, I did. Yeah, of course I did, you know. I mean, looking back, um, I made some... Terrible decisions, but in my personal life or during that time, because I, um, I was getting too much money. I think you know, I was too young, getting too much money. I didn't really know what to do with it, so I got in a lot of um, fights with people unnecessarily. I don't mean phys- physical. I just get you know, but um, the work work was wonderful. I loved I loved it. As I said, I, I would genuinely have paid them to let me do it. You know. Getting up at seven in the morning and driving, you know, with the sun, but the with the in that actual dawn and driving up the Yorkshire Moors, um, like four miles from my own home, you know, where I lived, you know, um, to work with the animals and and laugh, oh, laugh with with Stan Richards and and Jack. Oh my goodness me, because Clive Clive and I were really close too, and sometimes Clive and I. Would just get the, the giggles you know we just uh, you know when you, when you laugh so hard you just yeah, stomach actually hurts we'd be like that in the in the caravan and we got chains and stuff and then we'd get on set and something would something would trigger us off, I and mean, there we go again, you know, and I can remember the unit manager. Really getting angry with us on, on several occasions saying, Look, boys, will you just s- stop laughing? You know, I'm sorry, we can't, you know, because you can't once you go, can you? Oh, it's so funny. So, how how do you think it, you know,
2: how do you think it actually changed your life? Oh, uh.
3: <laughs> Emma Del- <laughs> But it, it, it in every single way you can think of, it changed my life. You know, um, I mean, personally, the actor. You know, I had suddenly, as I say, I've got money. You know, I'd never had any money. I'd had lots of big jobs and um, prior to that, but not any serious money. I'd never been able to go on hol- holiday. Aha! I went on my first overseas holiday. You know, because of Emmerdale. Um, Uh, By the end of it, I was staying because we couldn't stay in like um, three star resorts um, when I had my wife and my two babies, you know, um, we couldn't stay in those kind of places because you get all the punters are there and then you just get hassled from the moment you arrive to the moment you leave. You're just getting, have your photograph taken and you just can't have a holiday. A family holiday so you have to go to like a five star resort where they don't give a damn who you are you know uh so i was having to do that i'd much rather been um staying in these smaller resorts and what have you these you know, because i love the i love the people
2: but... and if they hadn't changed things at emmerdale and then you know that producer hadn't come in or whatever do you think you could have seen jackie you know, staying as a
3: character for a lot longer? I don't honestly know, man. You know, because as I say, I I got to the state in my own head, you know, as I say, I was 20 when I started. I was only a kid, really, because I was a young 20 as well, you know, which is an L. And then um, I, my character had done all this, completed its cycle of. You know, it's full gambit of i have been in love, I'd had the wars, I'd had the fights, I'd had the, the cheers, I'd, had, I'd done everything, you know? So i have exhausted everything. And, and fundamentally, first and foremost, I was an actor. I wanted to play and be challenged by different parts and different characters, you know, which I have been since. Um, so it was time for me to go. And plus the fact... Right from the word go, um, from the very first year, when I completed my very first year, um, I think it was Beryl Reed. Do you remember Beryl Reed? Yeah, yeah. She said to me, "Ian, I've seen you in that um, in that Emma Delphine. You're very good. Get out." <laughs> <laughs> Because, because to an actor, you can't stay in something more than more than a year. You like, you get typecast and you never work again. You know, and that was that was very much. Uh, wasn't she doing? She, I'm sure she did some children's programs at Yorkshire, didn't
2: she? If I remember, Riley? I think she was um... doing a kids program. Oh, I, I, uh... I remember some kids programs that she presented around that ta- around the time you were, in, yeah. you were in, you were in, you were in Emmerdale. Um, what about working at Yorkshire Television? I mean, really, oh. not, just, not just Emmerdale. I mean in those days it was a huge creative hub.
3: Oh I mean it was amazing. magic, wasn't it? Magical place to be. It was amazing. It was amazing actually. There were there were guys in as I say, there were TV producers, all right? Walking into the bar with a cloak and a silver top cane. Right? What? <laughs> You don't see things like that in TV now, no way. You know, the pinstripe suit, that see a lot. You know, a briefcase, but these were these were astrakhan coats, and you know, people like that, characters. Um, I was <laughs> the, the, the wardrobe department. Wow, wow, and that's an industry all on its own, and it's run by all these these amazing, or was run by all these amazing theatre. Wardrobe. Guys, you know, all campers are a row of tents. I mean, I remember one guy, uh, Ted, I'm sure he'd be dead now, bless him, but uh, I was leaving one Christmas. I was going home. That was it. We finished filming. I was going home for Christmas. And as I'm running down the corridor, I see Ted. Ted goes, goodbye. Have a lovely Christmas. I say, and you, Ted, and you. What are you doing this Christmas? Oh, darling, I shall be doing what I always do. Eat, drink, and be merry. I tell you, you know, these were the people you were working with. And of course, in the Dales, if you took him out in the Dales, people would have been dying of heart attacks because you didn't get characters like that in the Dales.
2: It, it was a hotbed of you know you got the drama that was done there. There was oh yeah, like first yeah. TV, There was all those great comedies, you know, game shows. Everything was done at Yorkshire. Wasn't oh it?
3: three two one. That was that was huge at that time. Uh, um, yeah yeah. Uh, my very first job at, at Yorkshire TV was uh, a play for love. It was called. It was one of six um, plays, TV plays, with was it was um, in Jeffrey Palmer. Remember Geoffrey Palmer? Yeah,
2: Um, who sadly just died from
3: butterflies, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that was the first thing I ever did for for Yorkshire TV, and um, as you say, it was a creative hub. It was. They had all these different things going on, and uh, not like today. Today it's a facility house, you know. It doesn't have the same feel, or... It is the only. It is the only ITV building. I heard you saying that the other uh, the other time. Uh, what about Granada
2: then? Is that not Granada's? No, Granada's all moved to Media City now. You see, where's so the, that? Old, the old Granada building is gone, and everything's moved to Salford. So there's a Me- Media City. So Coronation Street is over at Salford. It was rebuilt again over the. Oh. Uh, yeah. Hey. So it's, wow. Uh, yeah, it's it's a shame because you're right. I mean, the, these buildings had such character didn't they you know i remember yeah i, yeah. I, I remember going to yorkshire as a kid and because a friend um my dad had a friend who was a projectionist uh you don't get them anymore of course um and i used to go in and spend summertime time in there you know doing a bit of work experience and i remember uh, sitting in there when when countdown was being filmed and yeah that, yeah you know, yeah rising damper i remember rising down yeah yeah
3: absolutely um, yeah.
2: you know it's a, you're right it was a hotbed of um creativity and it and Everything built around it, didn't it? So, you got Granada, you got Yorkshire, you got ATV, so an industry built around these places, you know. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. And
3: everything's London based now, nothing, everything, everything. <laughs> but everything was then. It, it was then. Um, they would cast stuff, you know, Yorkshire things in London, you have to do that in Soho, and you think, well, um, like, like Jean, Jean, Jean was talking about her experience, and um. Uh, Jane, Jane, again, she was a London girl. She was, you know, with this London Yorkshire accent, which, um, yeah, we, I don't know. Well,
2: there was, I, a, I remember I, I interviewed Chris, uh, Christopher Strawley, who played- um, Did you? In, yeah. How is he? How is he? He's all right. I've, I've actually become really good friends with him, actually. I, whenever I need anybody to play Winston Churchill, I use Christopher Strawley. Oh, right. okay, yeah. But no, he's, oh. doing, he's, he's very he's very well. He's, but he said oh, he yeah. used to, um, him and Peter Bowles and James Bolam and Richard, yep. Richard um, Wells, yep. they would rehearse in London first, and then they'd come up to Leeds and record it on a Friday night. Yeah,
3: yeah.
2: So, so, I mean... so there was still that London link all the time.
3: Yeah, absolutely, yeah, 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 yeah. And a lot of the, these writers that I was talking about, they, they were all London people, you know, they were all Londoners. They didn't know the first thing about farming, you know, (laughs) and quite often I get something like, Jackie comes screeching to a halt in his tractor. I'm thinking, you're joking, screeching to a halt? Tears across the farmyard, screeches to a halt. I think, uh, have you any idea what you're talking about? It's like a tank, right? (laughs) You can't screech to a halt in a tank, you know, you can't do it, it's like, weighs about five tons, you can't do it. Not on those tyres. No, no way. But they would write stuff like this. And it... Did you ever meet Kevin Lefan? Oh yes, yeah, I knew Kevin quite well. Um, again, not as well as the older um, guard of the thing, because again, I was I was a kid, you know, and and because again, because I was playing a sixteen-year-old, and of course, it was one of. Um, Kevin's characters, so he'd written it as a sixteen-year-old with a sixteen-year-old in his head. You know, I was sixteen, so I was a boy. You know, so barely worth even talking to, let alone you know saying hello. So, um, and, and a lot of the, a lot, of, a lot of the um, the producers and executive producers, they had that attitude as well. Um, I can remember having loads of fights with them about about being paid equally as an adult, you know. But you're a boy, you know, you should be should be pleased to have a job. And I'm thinking, wait a minute, you know, I'm, I'm playing with, with, with my sister, right, who is actually older than me physically, but younger than me as a character, and yet she's getting, like, twice as much money for every episode and doing less work. So how come? Why? Right. You know, it's, it's not so fair. fair. Oh, I can remember. I mean, so many oh, fights no, no, i got it, no, I got no, it no, in no. the end. Do you, remember,
2: do you remember the guy who played um, the vicar?
3: Yeah, 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 yeah. Hugh, no, Man- no. Hugh Manning, yeah, who played the Reverend Hint- Hinton, yes. Yes, yes. And a lot of stuff with him, with, with, with Hugh, a lot of scenes with Hugh. Um <laughs> I bet he was very old school, wasn't he? Oh, he was. He, he was in the Dumbusters, you know. He told me a wonderful story. He said he, he was playing one of one of the government men in 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 the black cars, sitting on the top of the cliff, watching the dam busters thing happen, and uh, and when when it happened, they all had to be, stand outside and say, "Ah, oh, wonderful, and applaud or whatever," you know. Well, they were days waiting for the sky to be absolutely right because it had to be right because they'll be using footage from. The actual bomb experiments, right, <laughs> that actually took place, and they had to match it in with the film. So they were more or less in the in the kind of similar place, but um, it was all filmed waiting for the sky to be absolutely perfect; otherwise, it looked, it looked stupid. So they had to wait for about three days. They waited, and they sat in this car, um, keeping out of the wind, out of the cold, you know. Sitting here and they're playing cards and they're, you know, talking and swapping jokes and what have you. So eventually they decide the so sky is absolutely right, we've got a window of about two minutes to get this shot in, everybody out. And they opened they open, <laughs> open the doors of the, of the of the Black Mariah or whatever it was. Both doors on the each side. The wind came through and blew all these playing cards all over <laughs> all over the set. It so ruined the shot, you know. We had to start and do it again. But uh, he was full of these stories and these songs. He, used to, he was a great singer. He used to sing a lot of um, songs and things. Reverend Hinton.
2: Yeah, no, great, great, great character. Great oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, and what about what, what the ones we haven't really focused on much? You mentioned them at the beginning, but what were what what was Ronald Magale and uh,
3: uh... Arthur Bentler like? They were, they were just so, they were, they were such sweet guys um, and such close friends. Um, but again, um, because I was a youngster, um, I didn't have that kind of relationship with them. You know, like Gene like was talking about them in a very um, uh, close way. I can't speak about them in that way because I I wasn't that close to them, because I was too young, you know? I I wasn't really um, in their circle, but I...
2: Presume they were quite theatrical, those two, were they? Uh,
3: Yes, yes, Ronnie more so, I think, um, I would say. Um, Arthur Arthur was like OCD. Everything had to be just so, otherwise he was hopeless. You got him into set on on the set and I can remember him um having oh you want me to pour this pint, okay. All right, I'll pour this pint and you want me to say what? And I've got to do what? Oh, all right. So he have to we <laughs> have to rehearse that about a hundred times on his own before he was comfortable then. To uh, uh, and then I've got to what dry up a what? And I go oh <laughs> Yeah, we used to call him Arthur Propolo, we used to call him, because his props had to be absolutely perfect. But he was a wonderful guy. Uh, um, Terrific character. Uh,
2: Then there was Walter, of course, wasn't there? Yes, indeed, yes.
3: Al Dixon, wonderful. Incredible guy. I went to his house once. He lived in Headingley. He had this really old terraced house in, in... Headingly full of all this old mer- memorabilia uh, about the um, musical days because he was a he was a, a, a an acrobat a tumbler can you believe it old old uh, Walter that character had such an a- evolution because again he was an extra he was employed as an extra in the bar and actors uh, extras are not allowed to speak if you speak we've got to pay you you know or well, we've got to pay you ten quid as opposed to the eight pounds you get in and we can't, our budget won't stretch to that, right, so they were talking, you can't speak well, Al being an old, uh, old vaudeville guy, he took that completely literally, so he would do this strange nodding thing, you know um, but it was so it just became a thing, and so he, he was there he was written in by the writers these London writers would write him in as a character at the bar walter nods (laughs) yeah he does (laughs) he does yeah Uh, what a carriage he was
1: this year has claimed the lives of far too many people to coronavirus one of the many we lost was the great comedian eddie large one half of that fabulous double act little and large and he's asked you when did you meet and all that and he'd have the stock answers, you know, oh, we met by accident, you know, I ran him over on a zebra crossing, you know, things like that. In a special interview, Sid Little remembers his long-time comedy partner and their years together making people laugh. I'd be stood there and Eddie would go like, uh, you know, look at him. If he turned sideways and stuck his tongue out, it would look like a zip. If he had four more navels he'd look like a flute you know, <laughs> you know, when he wears his blue suit He looks like a refill for a viral Because you know, I was thin, I was really skinny And Eddie was on the stocky side And that's when the comedy started coming in That's Little Remembers Large Only on Distinct Nostalgia More than a podcast
0: Search for Distinct Nostalgia Wherever you get your podcasts Or go to distinctnostalgia.com Do you want a cup of tea? I'll have half a cup and that caught on. Yeah, that became a kind of catchphrase, I think.
4: It was the hilarious film of 1999. It wasn't anything to do with race or religion or creed or colour. It was as simple as an art student who thinks he's all free and easy creating... A model of a vagina and showing it to his mum and thinking that that's going to be okay. East is East by Ayub Khan Din broke new ground by portraying a relationship between a British woman and her Asian husband and their mixed-race family growing up in Salford in the early 1970s. A clash of cultures and generations ensues.
0: Oh, frig off and wash your bastard curtains, you dirty cow. I swear to God, that's one of the best lines I've ever had to say in my life.
4: But the film had a serious side too, tackling both racism and domestic violence. I threw myself and put all my physical strength into trying to stop him, and I couldn't. In Helsinki, they were saying, I can't believe you made this film. It's incredible because it's showing what life is like for us now. A series of special interviews with Linda Bassett, Leslie Nicol, and Chris Bisson.
0: It was a great script and it was a timely thing to tell because it hadn't been told before.
4: They've done all sorts of incredible things to transport you back in time to give you an authentic feel of what it was like. This series of special interviews is available now at distinctnostalgia.com.
2: Well, Ian. Obviously, we're talking mainly about Emmerdale because that's the thing that most people remember you for in many ways. But you've had a, a career, you know, beyond that. Um, you've you've done a lot of things, and you actually had quite a prolific child acting career, didn't you? You started off at quite a young age, and you were in quite a few things. I mean, I think you alluded to it earlier on, but you were you were in Z Cars, for heaven's sake.
3: <laughs> yes, I did. I did one episode of Z Cars, a live episode, live TV, man, live TV, and I, I remember it specifically because there was there was a huge explosion in the studio. I'd never been anywhere. I'd, I'd very rarely been in a TV studio then. Anyway, I was scared out of my mind. I thought because it was of course the seventies. were talking about IRAs and stuff, you know. So it was like <gasps> oh, the was a bomb or something, you know. And what it was, was one of the overhead lights on the grid um, miles and miles above your head, you know, had, had just exploded because they used to do that periodically, apparently, <laughs> before sort of LED and what have you, you know. Um, and one of these lamps had, had exploded and it really sounded like a bomb going off and, and everyone just sort of like shrugged and just carried on the work as if nothing had happened. I was I was terrified, but yes, that was Zed Cars, Yeah. Well, I must have been, I don't know, 12, I guess, something like that, you know, it was one of my very first things and I was really just a uh, like a, an extra, really. But I did all sorts of stuff. I did, um, I did a Steve McQueen film. I did, um, oh, lots of, loads of stuff, loads of stuff. But
2: let's talk about Candleshoe, first of all. You had a pretty, well, a very important role in Candleshoe. You were, you know, that that was a very important film, wasn't it, for you in, in many ways?
3: Yeah, well, uh, yes, it was. Um, I wouldn't say I, I had a particularly important role, but I had a, a supporting role. I had lines and uh, a bona fide named character, and I was uh, I was the oldest one of uh, what, four adopted children, um, yes, who was living in this stately home, and... Um, um, where the what was she? I don't think she. Had, she had a, yes, the lady of the manor, as it were, um, had no children of her own, and so she had adopted. In fact, she had a had a granddaughter. She, she did have a child at one time. She must have died her, her daughter, but her granddaughter um, had been lost somehow. I can't remember how. And um, had managed to find a way off. Oh, she had been taken off to America, that's right. And her father had died. uh, And and then they'd lost touch with her and didn't know where she was. And this con man um, came across Jodie Foster, right, who was playing a street kid, who fitted the description to a T right down to the little scar on her shoulder. So (laughs) um, he... Basically enrolled Jodie as a as a conman's what was she, hustler you know and um, brought her to England to pass her off as this long lost granddaughter because she he knew that there was money you know to be had so um, that was the premise of the of the film but it was great fun the the butler was none other than David Niven who well, I was like a, well, a star. I mean, he, was, he was an idol. I mean, it was great. Just written uh, that autobiography, "Moons a Balloon." I remember he gave me a signed copy, and it was just—he was just such a wonderful guy. He was so friendly, so nice, so gentle, um, and, and just so down to earth. And yet, he was just oozing charisma. And you know, he walks into a room, and, and <laughs> everything stops. You know. Davis, there. You know, such a wonderful guy. I'm just looking at a picture of
2: you now, actually, um, of you with uh, Jodie Foster and and some of the little the little kids who were, who were in it, and you're there <laughs> with your yeah, you're there with your. Huge full mop of hair. This is This is this is pre, oh, yes. pre Jackie Merrick, but um it was there, that mop of hair that you had. And it's very it's very seven a very seventies mop of hair, isn't it, really?
3: It, it, well, yes, it would be. <laughs> it was nineteen seventy six and I was sixteen years old. Yes, wow. I remember I'll never forget that year because um, we filmed it in a in a, a stately home called uh Compton Wyniet, so she's just outside uh, Stratford on Avon, and I was staying in the Stratford Hilton, right? In the Hilton Hotel, Ooh. on the, which is on the river, uh, and I got eighty pounds. Well, it was stuffed, stuck in my hand, and I said, "What's this? No, I don't get my wages, you know." Eight, 80 pounds, like that back then. That's worth, what, today? I mean, today's money is about 500 quid, probably, you know? And I just got this slapped in me. I was 16 years old. Someone, the one of the guys gave me this money. I said, oh, you, you, you know, no, all my money's got to go through my agent. And said, so, so, no, this is your expenses. Your weekly expenses. My dad, my dad's wage, probably, in 1976, was only 80 quid a week, you know? And I got this, and I was sixteen years old, and I, expenses for what? You know, I was being picked up by a car and taken everywhere I needed to go, and my meals were, you know, I was full board at the Hilton Hotel, so I was getting all these wonderful meals. So, what did I get eighty quid for? So I spent it. I spent every penny of it on the motorboats on the on the River Avon, <laughs> going up and down. But. Uh, I mean that was fantastic right and
2: well obviously Jodie Foster wasn't um wasn't a big
3: name at that point this is very early years <laughs> yeah Jodie was 14 <laughs> um and she was a real tomboy she got me into such trouble cuz I, I was I was a uh, it was my first real you know sort of big movie and it was a Walt Disney movie for goodness sake you know uh, and uh, and I was getting all this money. I was staying in these, you know, the Hilton Hotel and being picked up and taken here and there and everywhere. And um, Jodie used to lead me down the garden path. She used to um, be such a tomboy at the age of 14. So we'd have bike races. We'd have a couple of bikes on the set. And she she'd say, come on! And She jumped on one of the bikes, so I jumped on one of the other bikes, and we start having a race off down the these little country lanes. You know, nobody knew where we'd gone. You know, <laughs> so they're sort of, like a search party's going out. Where's Ian? Where's Where's Jody? You know, where are they? And we're like two miles away. I mean, so so, so cars come screeching up, but they bundle us in the car. Then another one comes and takes the bikes. You know, I get back, I'm reprimanded like mad, and. Joji just sort of like shoves it it all off because she's, this is her 10th major part in a feature film. You know, it's my first. I'm like, (laughs) (laughs) it's an idiot.
2: (laughs) Yeah. And of course, she, yeah. she she went on. She went on to be. She'd been, gone on to be a huge, oh, a huge star. Yeah. Of course. And and yeah. have you have you had any contact with us?
3: <laughs> no, no. My first wife used to say, "Why don't you get in touch with Jody?" Yeah, I think. Yeah, bet you do. <laughs> no, no, it wasn't. Well, maybe no, I'm wasn't...
2: sure she. I'm sure she remember you. Maybe maybe we should get you back together again on a Zoom oh, call.
3: Oh yeah, sure us. Yeah, sure, Ashley. Why not? Yeah. <laughs> I don't think she'll remember me somehow.
2: Obviously, um, that was a big one for you. But then you also, roughly around the same time, managed to star in a a film with uh, Danny Kaye and Virginia McKenna. I think it was. Is that yeah. right?
3: Yeah, that was a, that was a, either the year before or the year after. I'm not sure. That was uh, that was Peter Pan. We did, uh, and it was an ATV. Collaboration with with uh, America. I, I don't know what company in America, but one of the huge sort of uh, TV companies in America. And it was this over this international collaboration, and Danny Kaye and Mia Farrow um, were the stars, and I played John with the top hat and got to fly. I got to fly, Ash. I got to fly to Never Neverland. I mean, wow! It was fantastic. Yeah. It was actually a musical written by uh, Anthony Newley, and it was all terrible. The music was awful. <laughs> it was really bad. It's well, there's, really a, there's bad. a there's a there's
2: a there's a picture here on the internet under shut, shutter shutter shutterstock, which uh-huh. is where you can you can purchase pictures. And there's a picture of you and the rest of the cast, and the picture of the dog. Um, <laughs> yeah, man. Uh, and it's what is it? Something like. This is for obviously you per This is for companies to purchase the image and whatever. Um, you can have an editorial twenty-five image pack, eighty pound per image, one thousand nine hundred eighty-nine pound for the twenty-five who's image pack. I don't know, but you're not getting it, are you? Who's getting that? Who's getting that money?
3: I'm not getting a penny of it. No, no, no. Actually, if you look at that picture very closely, um, you'll obviously see. Um, well, who's who's in the picture for a start off? can you see ish is, is it like is Danny Kaye dressed in Captain Hook
2: yeah yeah and you've got I think it's Virginia Virginia McKenna with it with her arms Virginia around McKenna, you yeah yeah yeah, yeah. My
3: Virginia McKenna yeah she was mum she was my mum yeah. yeah
2: yeah you're looking very
3: smart very smart oh lovely um you well if you look very closely you might see Nikki Lindhurst I went to school with Nicky. Nicky and I were the same age, same height, same colouring, same, same everything, same eyes, you know. Uh, Nick Lindos was, yeah, he played Tootles, which is one of the lost boys. Um, And yeah, I went to school with Nick. We were in the same class. We were the same age, same height, same everything. It wasn't anything to do with, with any kind of natural ability of mine, but I was working constantly. Because I was the right height and the right colouring, I was just what casting directors were looking for in the seventies, and I looked, so I looked younger than I was, so I could work longer hours. Right? that was the only thing going for me. <laughs> but so was Nicky. and so Nicky, Nicky and I used to go for all the same auditions. And if he didn't get it, I would. And if you think of, if you go back to like Butterflies, he was in Butterflies. That was his like big TV break, yeah. Well, it was only because I wasn't, I was working on another thing and I wasn't available to go. You know, we we could have been, it could have been me, basically, is what I'm going to try and say. So tell us about, um, because you told
2: me off, um, you know, behind the scenes, you told me that one of these actors that you worked with, you had said that uh, David Niven Niven was great, Mm -hmm. but one of these big names that you worked with,
3: Danny Kaye, was,
2: yeah, wasn't was yeah. so great, wasn't so great, well, no. was he?
3: Yeah, yeah. The Crown Prince of Children. Uh, sorry about the bang. Yeah, Crown Prince of Children. He was, um... Oh. He was the most unsufferable, grumpy. We being me and Nicky and everybody, you know? All the kids. He never spoke to us unless it was to tell us to be quiet or, you know... Or, oh, come along now, move along, do this, or whatever, you know. He he only spoke to Mia Farrow, and Virginia McKenna, of course, and uh, the director. Everybody else was a bit beneath him. And we were really, um, well, I I was going to say we were really shocked, but we weren't because we didn't even know who he was, really, to be honest. I remember when I got the job, my mum went, oh! Oh, she literally painted on the carpet. okay what's the matter, Mum? <laughs> like, Danny Kaye! Danny Kaye! <laughs> it's him. She was a, bit, a huge fan of his um, because, of course, she, it was her era. Um, but uh, we didn't have a clue. Well, I didn't have a clue who he was, really. But that was Danny Kaye. And uh, he had to break the filming to fly off to uh, uh, Hollywood In a great blaze of publicity, um, to present a cheque on behalf of UNICEF, because he was the mm, the spokesperson for UNICEF, the great children's charity, and the great children's hero is going to fly and give this present this huge cheque on behalf of blah blah blah, you know. But yeah, he didn't have any time for us whatsoever. And so you were also
2: in um, this play for today. There was lots of play for today, some real memorable, <laughs> memorable ones back in the day. And you were in one of the most memorable ones, which never got broadcast at the time because it was so controversial. And that was yeah. Scum.
3: Yes, that was Scum. That was, uh, yes, it was all set in a, in a bore still. Um I don't know what my crime had been. Um, but I, uh, yeah, I was there with, with uh, Phil Daniels and... Uh, and of course Ray Winston, who uh, who has gone on to much greater things now, but that was his first real leading role. He was the leading boy at, um, at Borstal, if you like. He was our he was the daddy, if you like. Um, he violently usurped the um, other guy um, who was played by John Blundell, as I remember, um, rather violently with a. Um, a billiard ball in a sock. <laughs> Nearly killed him. You were sort of seen as his sort of sidekick. Well, no, I was, I was his. I was it, really I was his, his gay lover, I guess you'd say. Um, it, wasn't, it wasn't a sidekick. I was just being used, <laughs> uh, just to uh, uh, alleviate some of the pressure, you know, that was on. Right. <laughs>
2: Well, we won't, we won't say too much about it because it obviously, I mean, I'm not saying, I'm not saying we're not saying anything about it because it's controversial, but because we're, we, we want to try and get a reunion together of the, of, of oh. the cast from Scum, if we can, because it was a, a, you know, I know it got made into a movie later on, but it took the BBC a long time to show it, didn't it? It was many years before it was actually properly shown.
3: Yeah, the BBC didn't show it for donkey's years. They made a film of it later on, uh, Alan Parker got the money together somehow and made a film um, independently of the BBC uh, because they just knew it was such a good script and they were onto something. However, in the uh, in the rewrite, they managed to write my character out completely, so I didn't appear in the film, which was rather rather annoying. I remember, but I was probably filming something else, so I wasn't really that bothered. <laughs> There's a, there
2: is there a is f- a famous scene on from Scum. Between you and uh, Ray Winston that you can see, if anybody looks up, it's still on yeah. it's still on YouTube. And, and again, you've got that long floppy hair, uh, which you've kept all your life. <laughs> I mean, I can see it now, flopping flopping around. It's, it's still there.
3: <laughs> yeah, I still got it in a box. In the box at the bottom of the water. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh,
2: yeah, I mean you've done you've done tons and tons of things, and of course in more recent times you you went on after Emmerdale to do, uh, casualty and heartbeat and all sorts of different things. Um, the one thing that keeps getting mentioned whenever we mention you to distinct fans is your role later on after Emmerdale um, in Alan
3: Partridge. <laughs> well, that was that was the weirdest thing um, for for an actor, you know. I was I was a a proper actor, right? So I work with scripts and, you know, I'm sent the script first, I have a read of it. Um, I I go along and discuss it with the director and then we go and we we rehearse the words and all that. But with uh, Steve Coogan, (laughs) it was all improvised, every single word of it. And so I tipped up for the first day on me, I saw, uh, where's the script anywhere? No, 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 no script, no script. My, my <laughs> um, I'm trying to think of a way to put this nicely and I can't. So, um, yeah, my, um, my posterior was uh, somewhat, yes, uh, yes, you, you get the point. Yes, uh, <laughs> I was terrified. What do you mean, the no script? So we carried on and what we, the, the format was, we had, what was it, four days rehearsal and uh, i do know five to, f- we had four days rehearsal and one day in the studio and that was his. um and steve on the f- first day or well, in fact during the audition he he laid out exactly what he wanted he said that he wanted uh he wanted me to play his um obsessed fan basically um and uh, really that was all the direction I got, if you see what I mean. And so we just bounced it off each other until we had a script. And it was, it was, every word that I spoke in that episode, this might interest people who who were fans, um, was my own, yeah? And I'm not a wonderful creative writer. I only knew to say those things because they had been said to me by obsessed fans in the past. Yeah, do not it, don't it uh, uh, annoy you when people just come up to you like, yeah, yeah, you must do. Anyway, uh, you know. <laughs> All that stuff, everything. I'm gonna shake your hand. That was mine. That was because that was people had done that. It, yeah, every single thing I said had been said to me by someone at some point, you know. <laughs> Yeah I was we were, I was on a, a an underground train um shortly after that um, had been aired and um I can't remember where or where I was going or whatever but let's say I was on Oxford Circus or somewhere like that and I was being I was aware I was there with my wife and I was uh, at the time and I was aware of a couple of youngsters staring at me And when I look back, they, they, you know, he had a Mohican, right? She had, like, safety pins, all that. And I'm thinking, oh, no. And they're really looking at me, staring at me, giving me the eye. And I'm thinking, oh, no, 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 no. What's going on? Anyway, they suddenly stood up as we pulled into a station. And as the doors opened, they both walked up to me. And I'm thinking, oh, ready to be stabbed, you know. And they said... Alan Partridge, respect, and got off the tube, <laughs> <laughs> and I thought, "Ooh, <laughs> that, that, that would go to the show, wouldn't it? Yeah, fabulous."
2: And you, and you, you, you managed. You, you were, you starred um, alongside another YTV heartthrob, of course, a comedy sitcom heartthrob in the shape of Christopher Strawley, of course, in oh, Wind of the Willows, yeah. didn't you?
3: Ah, Chris, yeah, yes, yes, Chris he's, he's a <laughs> he played Ratty in uh, Wind in the Willows for the National Theatre and um, we did uh, Wind in the Willows and I was Mole, which is, uh, in that one job I got to fill like five of my life ambitions as an actor, you know, um, there was, uh, obviously it was Wind in the Willows, and, um, which is a wonderful story. But um, two, I was playing Mole, which is to be the best part in the whole thing, you know. Three, it was written by Alan Bennett, right? The, the, the script, the screenplay, as it were, the, the, the play script. Um, adapted by Alan Bennett, who's like, oh, wonderful guy, you know. I Crawl over Broken Glass to do something by Alan Bennett. Um uh, four, it was like it was it was the National Theatre, yeah, not just um, <laughs> this was the National Theatre in 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 the Old Vic. We did it for six months, and then we went on tour, and so five, it was like nine months employment, you know. So, wham, I did all those things in in that in that one job, and it was just oh Such fun. It was such fun doing it. Fantastic, fantastic. Okay,
2: well, um, lovely to talk about all that. We're going to talk a little bit more about Emmerdale (laughs) in a few moments' time.
4: Dear Miss Jones, may I call you Clementina? Firstly, may I say how nice it was to meet you in the park yesterday? Distinct Comedy presents Letters from one Border Terrier pup to another. Apparently, socks that cannot accommodate toes because they have large holes where said toes should be fail to fulfil any real purpose. Based on true events seen through canine eyes. I now know that I'm definitely afraid of both heights and, not surprisingly, of big ladies. Dear Clementina, Search for Distinct Comedy wherever you get your podcasts. Sincerely yours,
1: Stanley Burke. What? Uh, Distinct. Comedy. Fresh and original. Get Kettle on Dottie Anthripping. Have you heard about her at number 38? This is right. Emma, yeah. She's only gone and got herself an octub. Meet Florian
4: Dottie by Janice Fryett. Two northern lasses who love a good goss.
1: She's invited us round to help her christen it. You might need to trim your lady garden a bit.
4: And they'll have a sideswipe at anything. From the neighbours and social issues to sexuality and social media.
1: Gypsy Queen? No thanks, Satan. I'm on a health kick. Well, you don't look very healthy right now. You've got a funny colour.
4: A distinct comedy presentation only on Distinct Nostalgia.
1: It'll be just like Love Island. Love Island? Are you kidding? Lesbian Love Island, more like. If it's just us three.
4: Listen by scrolling through the Distinct Nostalgia feed.
1: If nobody was told what you were meant to do, if there weren't any rules, we would be living in a totally different format
2: brand new podcast featuring rarely heard voices from across the uk and around the world
0: bisexuality is not really understood because people have biphobic tendencies and the second you mention
2: bisexual just their
0: ears pick up
1: Contemporary conversations around bisexuality
0: Oh
4: well you, you're still confused right? No I'm not confused We are questioned so much more Than people when they come out as straight or gay
2: It's intense pressure of like Am I sure? You're literally like monitoring yourself Every episode will include a very personal story As we try to paint a real picture of bisexual Britain This is Bisexual Brunch Available now wherever you get your podcasts So Emmerdale's still going strong. I mean, nearly, nearly, um, nearly 40, well, 40 odd years since you started it. Uh, 40 years since you began it. um, Emmerdale is still, still going strong. It will be 50 in a couple of years time. Um, It's been through lots of different reincarnations and things, but it's still at its core, still about Yorkshire and still about the Dales, even though it's about the village rather than the... Yeah, farming. Yeah. what do you what what do you make of the fact that it's um it's endured because a lot of a lot of um, um drama serials have gone by the way so obviously cory survived and eastenders and whatever but uh, what do you make of its longevity well I, i'm was it still the farm just as you left
3: it was still emmerdale farm i was in the last episode of emmerdale farm yeah oh, that really? was exactly when i left yeah yeah what do i think about the longevity of it well I'm always very pleased for them, for the actors, for, um, for the show. Although the present show bears no, no relation to the one I was in, you know, as far as I'm concerned. Um, so I have no connections with it at all. If ever they have a a show, uh, a reunion, (laughs) I'm never invited. They never invite me, um because I, I, I'm not from that era, you know, I just... What, did,
2: what do you think that period, because you were a young, young man when you started in it, you were 20, and you were there till you are about 28, 29. So all your 20s were spent in Emmerdale, in a yeah, you know, yeah. top, top drama serial in Britain, and everyone could see you and all this. Bit. What did it teach you, do you think, about both about acting, you were working with some fantastic actors at that time, but equally, what did it teach you personally as well? What did you learn from that period, do you think?
3: Gosh, what did I learn? Uh, Well, Stan Stan Richards and I, um, we had a, we we used to share a dressing room, right? And we we were in dressing room three. And so dressing room one, would be Ronnie, Ronnie McGill, uh, Amos and uh, Miss Wilkes um, and Fraser. Um, they'd be in res- dressing room one. That was the men, male dressing room, right? Dressing room two was for the, the girls, the women, the, the, all the matriarchs and what have you, your dollies and your sheilas and um, what have you. And then there was dressing room three and that was Stan and me. And um, we used to get all the uh, all the other male actors right all the all the club turns if you like you know that we're talking about all all the people who were just in just for that couple of episodes or whatever they would all come to our listening. um and they were so welcome you know we made them so welcome and stan and i always had this thing about giving them a bit of extra time because they were so nervous They'd, they'd, they'd tip up on location, on for instance, a, a a club turn, right? It was a comic on tour, uh, on, on, a, on, on a club circuit, and he's got this part in Emmerdale. He's only got three lines, you know? But he's got this one scene with him and Joe and Seth, you know? Uh, and he's got to say these lines, and he's nervous as anything. Absolutely terrified. It's his first time in a TV thing, situation. He's absolutely terrified. And, uh, so consequently, he won't do very well, you know, he, he'll stumble, he'll mess around, he'll forget his lines, he'll, you know, whatever. Because he's so nervous, so it was Stan and I, we, we would deliberately go out of our way to make these guys feel as comfortable as we possibly do, right, feel at home. Uh, because it was in our interest as well, wasn't it, you know, if we were going to be in the scene with them, we want, we want them to be their best, so... It wasn't all altruistic. However, um we would notice we noticed that a lot of these directors that we got, um they'd uh settle for the odd mistake, you know. If if it was um Fraser or me or Stan that made a f- mistake, then we might get another take. But if it was uh, you know Joe Bloggs Comedian, you know, and, and he stumbles on his line, makes a bit of a mess, gets it backwards or something. It goes out like that. Uh-huh. Yeah. And Stan and I would be, would be appalled at this. I think this is, you know, you can't do this. Poor fellas are nervous enough without, you know, ridiculing him in front of his family and friends. You know, can't do that. So we would do it. If, if they stumble on a line... We'd look at each other, think, this is going to go on, it's going to carry on, the show must go on, latitude. So we get to one of our lines and we'd stumble on it and then we'd say, you know, something I can't say on a podcast, but we'd, you know, swear, in other words, yeah? And then they'd have to stop. Yeah. <laughs> they'd have to do it again. And so we give this guy a break. But there was, a, there was a very much of a. Uh, An attitude about uh, this, uh, us and them thing going on and it was Stan and I would be great champions of of The what do they call them? The artist who Hasn't got the experience of a studio, you know, and and we think this is this isn't a big moment for them, isn't it? It's a big moment that you're going to talk about for years and it's going to be recorded on your VHS and show to your grandchildren and all your family members and you know, forever. This one moment in your life, you know, let's for goodness sake, let's let's do the best we can, you know. So, so, so I used to used to feel very strongly about that, I remember. <laughs> but what did I learn? What did I learn? I learned I learned how to move a cow. I learned how to drive a tractor. At breakneck speed. <laughs> I, I learned how to reverse a tractor and trailer. That's 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 a skill in itself, you know. Drive a combine harvester and do all that stuff. Um, I learned a lot of skills. Um, I learned how to work in a television studio professionally. And that is something that a lot of actors... I mean, I I have decked so many hours of of studio time, you know, hundreds and thousands of hours of studio time, right, under my belt, that most actors would never get in a whole lifetime, you know, so uh, that experience is invaluable. So I know where I, I have this this sixth sense you know I know where the camera is at any any moment I know where it it is and I can visually see what it can see so I know you know what's in that shot Um, I know what my relationship is to it so I know which which way to turn you know so many times you'll be watching TV or I'll be watching Netflix or something and I'll see an actor um, turn the wrong way you know the camera is, is looking at him. Somebody comes up behind him and he'll turn the natural way, right? Which is... Which looks silly on the camera because it looks like he's turning away and doing like a funny... Uh, like a circle to get to where he... But he isn't. It, but it just looks like that. So there's all these kind of little tricks and things that you just learn. Um, and I... <laughs> I used to... I remember whenever I had to kiss Melandra, um, she'd we'd, we'd go in for the kiss, you know, and I'd always stop her and, and move my head upstage of hers, right? And she'd go, "What, what, what are you doing?" I said, "Darling, they don't want to see the back of my head. They want to see you. You're the you're, you're the money shot, you know, not me." So I would always make sure I was kissing her upstairs her face you know little things like that you're just aware of and you do and so yeah i learn a lot a lot a lot, a lot of technique what about from those old actors do you, you learn
2: things like you know timing and you know what would what you learn from them? Well, well
3: hard to say that really you don't get schooled by your fellow actors they they let you do what you do because they don't believe in interfering, that's a director's job, you know, so you don't actually, um, your, your training ended when you left drama school, you know, um, it's not for me to become your tutor, you know, so they don't, they don't really do that kind of stuff, the only time that's ever happened to me was, um, Peter Barkworth. you know, Peter Barkworth. um, I was doing a, a radio play, would you believe, it was Equus, and I was the boy in Equus, and Peter Barker was the doctor, Dr. Strang, I think his name is, or, Al- or Alan Strang was my character, anyhow. anyway, um, And Peter and I were sitting there for hours in the BBC studios in London recording this. And um, a, one little bit of, one little nugget of, of advice he gave me was about listening when you're acting and you're listening to some to another actor, a fellow actor, is t- conveying you, you know, information, you just listen. You don't do all that, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. nodding, nonsense, you just listen. Just look and listen. Keep still. <laughs> and give him the focus, you know. I remember him telling me that. Uh, which is great, it's a great bit of advice is that, because the normal thing, the natural thing to do, um, if you're in, if you, you'll see this with a lot of um, local TV news anchors and what have you, you know, when they're out and about and they're interviewing somebody and they go, Hmm, yeah, their head's going like this all the time, and you're thinking, oh, well, you just keep still. <laughs> well, noddies, don't they? They do, yes, they do, yeah. And a lot of that is recorded afterwards, which is, is hilarious. So the guy's nodding away to nothing. And he, well, I'm, doing plenty, I'm doing plenty of nodding now. Look. Yeah, well, that's all right, because you're talking to me and I'm looking at you and, you, you know, we, we are interacting, but those noddies are ridiculous, really.
2: <laughs> we, we dra- you know, because obviously also in Yorkshire television, calendar was a huge thing, of course, as, as we both mm. Calendar, when I was a kid, you know, everyone rushed home to watch it. It was like, you—you you, didn't, <laughs> didn't matter what was on news at 10. Calendar was where everything happened. Yeah, quietly getting things wrong and all the rest of it. Uh, Were you ever dragged onto calendar as uh, Jackie Merrick?
3: Oh, yeah, numerous times. Numerous times. I, you know, if they needed a, a quote from an actor, they get the drag one of us on. You know, um, and if it had to be a youthful actor, then it was me. You know, invariably it would be it Fraser. You know, but uh, yeah. Um, because Fraser was Fraser was definitely
2: a big he was the Mr. YTV thing. He was yeah, the big yeah, star yeah. of it in terms of Y T V wasn't he? Yeah, so what yeah. what do you think you learned personally? Because obviously, you know, you were you were young, you were young, as you say, you were a young twenty. Yeah. And you were thrust into this limelight and all the rest of it for nine years. Yeah. What do you think what do you think you learnt from it on a personal level?
3: Well, initially for the first two or three years probably, um maybe not as long. Um it, it it went to my head, you know, this same thing, as you'd imagine. Um, I got a bit cocky with it and thought, um, there's a cock at north, and um, I had all this money, and brilliant, you know, I had a big car now, a brand new car, whoa, you know, a big house and all that stuff, and, and uh, I can afford to go on these holidays, you know, and help, i made it, you know. So I, well, I did get a bit cocky, I did, uh, you know, I'll admit it. Um... But it soon wore off, man. It soon wears off. All that celebrity stuff that, that the kids are, are obsessed about. I want to be famous. You don't. You do not want to be famous. If you're listening to this and you're uh, 15 years old, you do not want to be famous. I'm telling you, you can't do anything. You can't go anywhere. You can't, you can't, you just can't. Your life stops completely, Right. Unless you're in something like, I don't know, like, like, in those days, if I was in Dallas, I'd have been all right. You know, I'd have been getting their Dallas money, that'd been all right. But not on Emmerdale money, you know, I, I couldn't. You could have transferred to Dallas
2: quite well with the
3: Hey, oh, I should have. Yeah, I could have, yes, I could have done, yes. I, uh, stick a Stetson on you, before. fine. Uh, St- pair of chaps, I'd have been fine, wouldn't I? <laughs> Yeah, but, all uh, right. Actually, I, I did, I remember, um, I, I, did, I did suggest to someone, I can't remember who, but, um, oh, in the press, in the press, I, I made several comments that I'd quite be open to do a little job share with Brookside. So I said, can, I can see that. I can see Jackie, you know, just turning up somewhere on Brookside. Why not? And... I was I was in love with the idea of characters moving between soaps. What is wrong with that? Nothing. People move, people go, you know, people go on holiday. Why not? Go on holiday, you know, and just appear. And be there and uh, in your own character, being fabulous. But uh, nobody went for it.
2: Never, they've never done it, have they? I
3: think they've no. it They did it
2: once on a charity children in need thing. Really? Oh, they do. Uh, yeah, things like that. They will. Yeah. yeah. But generally, yeah. they never do it, which I think is a shame. I th- I, I agree with you. I think it would. Yeah. work. Well. Oh, it'd, be, it'd be hilarious. It'd be great, you know. But no, yeah, it's. Well, you're right. <laughs> you right about the celebrity thing, you know.
3: Oh, that's oh, a terrible
2: thing. day being an actor. Being an actor
3: is not about being a celebrity, is it? At the end of the day. But being an actor is not about being a celebrity, it's not, mate. It's not about being famous, you know. Um, it's about playing different characters, you know. It's an art, you I know, mean, as simple as that. It's no different to me playing a character in whatever it is, is no different to a painter doing a portrait of somebody, you know. Or a, yeah, in fact, it is that, isn't it? I am doing a portrait of whoever it is. I mean, mine is more of a sculpture because it's from the ground up and it's fully, um, my character is is a full three D thing, you know, um, moving, breathing, living thing. Um, And that is where the challenge is and that is where the excitement is as an actor, you know, um, not not the fame thing. I couldn't go in a supermarket, for instance, you know? Forget that, I couldn't go in. If I, if I went into a supermarket, I'd be chased around by a group of people, um, usually old ladies. <laughs> um, you know, hey, Jackie, just sign me cornflakes, pack it, will you? You know, and I'm thinking, what? If I go into a pub. So, so when, did it, when, did it wear, when did it start to wear off? When did you start- Oh man, almost, 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 really, almost immediately it started. When when I realised all my all my mates they didn't want to go out with me anymore, you know. If we went, you'd think taking Jackie down pub would be very good, you know. Help me to pull a few lasses, and no way, because I would always end up getting collared by a couple of drunks in a corner while they talked to me about Annie's arger and you know and and, and Seth's Ferrets, you know. And they're all drunk as skunks, and I've got to say, nod, and ha-ha, yes, yes, you're right, yes. And, you know, <laughs> so it was boring going out with me. So all my mates just uh, just disappeared. They, they disappeared. Um, as I say, if I went to a supermarket, I couldn't I couldn't do anything, I couldn't move. The, the only time that we could ever get back at it and ever make it work for us, and I think Jean touched on this with these charity do's, I um, would go out, willing out. I, I did, I did the most out of the cast actually. I did eighty something a month. <laughs> um, yeah, um, public appearances, PAs we call them, um, for charity, pushing penny piles over in pubs and stuff. Um, the um, YTV would give us these postcard size photographs that people would sign.
2: Remember them with the with the YTV sign at the bottom. Uh, That's at the bottom. Yep. But when I say, when I say, when did he wear off, what I mean is, once she came out of Emmerdale, how long did it take to <laughs> you to stop being recognised? Did you have to shave your hair off? Is that what you did? Uh,
3: no, uh, no, in fact, in fact, I tried everything, actually. I did try shaving my hair off. I did grow a full beard. Um, uh, I did deny it when people stopped me. You are him, aren't you? No, no, no. A lot of people say that, but no, no, no. Yes, you are. No, I'm not. I'm really not. No. You are. I'm not. Yes, you are. All right, I am, but please, <laughs> can we keep it to yourself? <laughs> or I'll be on holiday. Um, uh, and someone looked, I'd be lying there by the pool, yeah, on, on my towel. And someone would come over and kick me gently. And they say, hey, oh, Jackie. Oh. Hello, hello. And there I am in my trunks. You know. Do us a favour, just come over to the other side of the pool with you and have your photographs up with my wife. She loves you uh, and she, uh, she do not believe me. I said it with you, she wouldn't believe me. Would you come over and... So, you have to go over... There's a comedy in this. Oh, I tell you, man, I tell you, I can write it. Because you go over there, and of course, and you're you're all embarrassed because you stand there, your trunks, you know, and you like, you've only just got off the plane a few hours earlier. You you're like a milk bottle. The last thing you want to do is have your photograph taken with your bits, you know, by some woman. You know, you got to put your arm around, you got to kiss her, and you're like, oh, please, you know. And and she's uh, she had she has a few pies as well, and you're thinking, oh, come on, come on, leave leave me alone, mate, you know. But they won't. I once once went for a, a uh, it was a, I think it was it was, a, it was either an anniversary m- m- wedding anniversary or or a, a, a Valentine meal or something like that. But I did, just me and my wife at that time, and we went to this beautiful restaurant um, in Harrogate. I remember, and we had a little table for two with a candle on it. It was lovely, absolutely gorgeous. We we're having our meal. At the start, out uh, waiting for the second course to come, and somebody pulls up a chair at my table and sits down. Hey, Jackie, and it starts off. And I go, hello, hello. Fancy seeing you here, hey? Eh? Oh, I, I can't believe it. Yeah, my wife I, over there. I said it with you. She didn't. You believe me. And all this is going on, and you thinking, oh, please, you know, he's talking about Cess ferrets. And Agar and, oh, and Is it real beer in that pub then, Hey, or what? Hey, hey, hey! And going, yeah, yeah, yes it is actually, and I, Oh, is it uh, yeah, well, um uh, 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 this don't take. does it ever bother you? You saying does what what doesn't what ever bother me? Well people must stop you all the time, mustn't they? And I'm going, uh, yes they do, as that happens. They're very very astute of you, yes. Yeah, aye, aye, must get on your nerves, don't it? Um, well, occasionally, you know. Yeah, it must do, uh, aye. Anyway, about Seth. And he's there, and he's, and he's sitting at my table, and i thinking, please, just go away. <laughs> Leave me alone. <laughs> you don't miss any of that. Not at all, man. No, no, not at all.
2: So, what's, what's, what has, you know, if anybody's listening to this who thinks, Ah, Jackie Merrick. I wonder what happened to him. What is Ian Sharrock's life like now? What does what does he get up
3: to? What's... Uh, well, yeah. Well, Ian sadly has had oh, pardon me. I made a cup of tea. Uh, Ian sadly has had two strokes now, and uh, so he no longer works. I'm okay, you know, physically. Am I? Um, I'm Um I have certain right hand. Issues. You know, I can't write anymore properly or, you know, readably and stuff like that, but uh, I'm, I could have been a lot worse, that's for sure. So I'm no longer um, working as such. I can't get a proper job, put it that way. Um, I I am still considering, I am, no, I'm still sort of considered as an actor. I can act and I have acted since my strokes and uh, it doesn't affect any learning of lines or anything like that. Um, and uh, I've done what have I done? Two two tours of a play of separate plays since since then. So I'm I'm okay, and I can get around and do stuff.
2: Well, I, I'm sorry to I'm sorry to hear that, but you seem no, to, no, it's fine, it's fine. You still seem to be, um, you know, you you told some great stories this afternoon. <laughs> So Ian, it's been lovely to talk to you um, at length about Emmerdale and your experience on Emmerdale. I still remember you coming into it and being this sort of, uh, this young man who was, uh, you know, sort of, uh, everyone was talking about. And you're right, you were one of the first sort of heartthrobs along with Fraser Hines and Chris Quinton in Coronation Street. Uh, so you, you were pioneers, you three, you were pioneers. Yes, indeed, indeed,
3: <laughs> yes.
2: Um, so it's been lovely to chat to you and reminisce. Thank you very much indeed. No, it's
3: been a pleasure, it really has. Thanks, Ashley.
4: Distinct Nostalgia is home to some fascinating conversations with the names behind some iconic films of the 20th century. And we've a special treasure trove of interviews and reunions around great British film. There's Brief Encounter.
1: I was making my first film at the age of 19 and so was playing Beryl, the young girl serving the teas in the refreshment room. I'm the last surviving member of this and I suppose I'm getting rather elderly. Plus brassed off.
2: We didn't know that brass band music was gonna be that popular. It just became a real word of mouth people's film. It stayed in the top 10 in London for nearly three or four months, I think. And we eventually had to go up and ask them to stop showing it in Leeds because it was going to ruin the, uh, the video launch date.
4: And Oliver. The phone went and my mum shouted up saying, oh, you've got the part of Oliver. And I remember being, I was eight at the time, thinking, great, I'm going to have a, like six months off school. And that's all I thought. I didn't think anything else of it. Distinct Nostalgia. Celebrating great British movies. Listen wherever you get your podcasts or browse our existing programmes at distinctnostalgia.com.
1: Distinct Nostalgia is brought to you in partnership with Life Rooms and Mersey Care NHS Foundation Trust. We've lots of
2: activities for you to do at home at liferooms.org. Staying well, staying home.